It seems like the longer that I parent, the less confident I become in my abilities. When we first got married, I had zero kids, but four great ideas about parenting. Now we have four kids and I have zero great <laughs> ideas about parenting. That's why we won't be trusting in our own experiences in this study as much as we're going to just let the scripture speak. We're going to be looking at Psalm 127, which is a psalm that's all about parenting. Many parents just don't know what to do. 85% of Christian parents admit that though they feel responsible for their child's spiritual development, they aren't sure what to do to develop their kids spiritually other than just take them to church. Maybe that's how you feel. Well, we've got good news. Psalm 127 gives us a vision for how the gospel can reshape our approach to parenting. One of the main points of Psalm 127 is that children are an inheritance. Inheritance is, is, is a very significant word because inheritance is what you leave behind for future generations. And the most important thing you leave behind in those generations is the gospel. Psalm 127 says that children are like arrows. An arrow is designed to be shot out, not just to sit safely in the quiver. So we're doing this entire seven week study with a view toward how to raise up the next generation to launch them out into the mission of God. We'll talk about how love, while necessary, is not enough. We need the mind of God in addition to the heart of God. We'll discuss how to balance your schedule as a parent so that the important things remain important. And we'll discuss how the church is, is, is like a second family and why children need to feel like their church is a second family, reinforcing what they're learning at home and why in order to do that, how they really have to, to feel like they belong. Then we'll get into the often very overwhelming subject of discipline, and then how to prepare our kids to carry on the mission of God. We're excited about this crucial study for raising the next generation and launching them out into the mission of God. We are looking forward to being with you for Ready to Launch. Psalm 127, that great uh, psalm on parenting, opens up this way. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. What that means is that any house of whatever kind, unless God is the one who is building it through us, then our labor, as diligent as we might make it, is ultimately in vain. That certainly applies to the family. Um, we have to understand the ways that God would have us raise the family. Um, we have to develop a godlike mind and heart because unless we do that, then all of our building is going to be in vain. Um, a lot of parents have what, what, what I call, what we call the, the Beatles philosophy of parenting. Uh, all you need is love. Remember that song? And, and the idea is that if you love your kids and that's all, then everything's gonna, everything's gonna turn out fine. Yeah, as long as you love them, you'll be good. One of my favorite bloggers um, said one time something I thought was really funny. She said, um, there's just some parents that are too sweet to be good parents. So I thought, okay, I'm, maybe I'm doing all right. But um, it is true that I know a lot, of, a lot of parents who are devoted to their kids. They love their kids deeply, you know, excellently, but they have no philosophy behind it to like guide them. Yeah, we're not downplaying love, of course, because that's, I mean, crucial. Yeah. But the, the idea is you need not only the heart of God for your kids, which would be love, you also need the mind of God. Because unless the Lord is the one who is building the house, then those who are laboring are laboring in vain. And so here's a question, I think, just as we get started that we ought to consider is, have you ever really done a study on the mind of God for how we bring up children? I mean, I mean the fact that you're here means that you are in that kind of study, but how much initiative have you shown 
in learning what God's word has to say about this most important, important assignment that we've ever been given. And man, if I could just talk to you specifically for a second, um, how much initiative do you show in rearing your children? Uh, you know, one of the, uh, the things that our culture is, it kind of assumes is that raising children, teaching children is primarily the job of the mother. That women are better at it. You should just let them take over. Right. And so our role in the family is to provide and to make sure they're taken care of. Um, but the, the, the woman is the one, the mother's the one who leads in discipline and, and teaches them. Um, but you know, when you study the Bible, the passages, the great passages on parenting, what you'll find is that almost to a one, um, they're all addressed to men. Ephesians 6 is a good example. You know, the, um, the children obey your parents and the Lord. It, it, it's, it, he starts out talking to fathers. Um, Proverbs, which is the, you know, the, the, has more biblical wisdom about child rearing than any other book in the Bible, um, is written from a father to a son. Mm-hmm. Um, what you see is that the Bible puts the freight of, of, of rearing children on the man's shoulder as the spiritual leader. Freight or weight? Freight and weight. Okay. They put them both on the, on the heart of the man. Um, but what you find um, in our culture is that almost all the instruction that's given um, is given toward the mom. And for example, I, I was on um, the internet earlier, Amazon, and I was looking at the top 10 books on parenting. Of the top 10 books on parenting right now, eight of them are written by women. And of the five top books on parenting, if you read the opening two pages of each one, what you'll find is that they're all addressed to women. And if the father is brought up at all, it's usually, you know, two or three paragraphs down. down. Yeah. So what you see is that our culture says this is, and I'm not taking away from the woman's right. role in that. I mean, praise God for the way that, that God has uniquely equipped women to understand some things about mothering and just the things they have to add. But I'm just saying to us guys, um, the Bible actually does it the opposite way and says this is something that will rest on, on your shoulders. Take it seriously. So, so men, have you ever taken initiative in in the responsibility of, of saying, I, I want to I want to show the same initiative that I give to other areas of my life. I want to show that in, in rearing children. Jenny has said that um, frequently that I, re- I really appreciate this about him. Um, he wants to show the same diligence and persistence and initiative in his family, in his children's relationships and with me that he does in his job. So I think that's... Right. I mean, because if, if some of us showed the same initiative mm-hmm. in our jobs that we do in our family... I mean, we, we get fired. Yeah, I mean, because it's, it's just on autopilot, yeah. right? I mean, you're driven when it comes to your job. You got a five-year plan and you know what moves to make and you're planning things out. You're driven when it comes to things like fantasy football. You know, it's just like you got your team and, and everything. We show all Studied this initiative. And then when it comes to our family, it's just autopilot. Yeah. We come home. I'm tired. I say hi to the kids, watch Sports Center, you know, do some stuff and then, and then go to bed. Um, most men in our culture feel like they are good fathers if they provide food and shelter and don't abuse their children. A friend of mine says, possums provide food and shelter <laughs> and don't abuse their children. <laughs> Is that really the standard that we want to set for fatherhood? I, the Bible holds us to a different standard. And, and I want you to understand that this is our weightiest responsibility. It's our most important job and it's our most urgent mission field. This is where we will have to answer to God. JD. I live in a home of all girls. We do not have an active father. So how do we apply this um, scripture and this teaching? Yeah. um, So when the dad is not present, um, whether that's, you know, through death or divorce or or some reason, um, we're going to get into this in later sessions. But that's one of the things that God gives the church for. God says he is the father to the fatherless. 
And he often does that through other men um, in the church that, I mean, they can never play the role of biological father, but in this eternal Christ family, um, there are multiple fathers that we um, are given in the church that, yeah. that, that, that play that role. And one of the sessions, we're going to talk about how God has two laboratories for every child. And one of them is the family and then one of them is the, is the church. And so I, I think we'll find a lot of things in that session that'll you know, speak right to that situation. Don't be discouraged. Well, let me say one other thing to us guys on this before we, we, we move off of it is there's probably few things in my life that make me think more soberly about my relationship with God um, than looking at my children. Because I realize that, yeah, I want to follow God for my own reasons. But when I think about them following me and making the choices that I'm making, um, that's a weighty responsibility. Uh, You know, one day I'm going to stand before God. And the thought of my kids standing there and saying to me, "Um, Daddy, I, I followed you. What was important to you became important to me. What were your priorities became my priorities. I never saw you read your Bible, so I didn't really think it was important to read mine. I never made the kingdom of God my, my treasure, so you, you never made that your treasure, so I never made it mine. Um, Daddy, I followed you through life, and now I follow you into hell. I mean, I know that's weighty, but that's, men, we, God made us to be protectors. And he made us to, to, you know, it's just instinctive. We look at our kids and we say, I've got to protect them. Are you caring for them eternally? You will be the most significant influence on, the, on your children um, of anything else. And so I just you know, want to challenge you men specifically as we get started. Um, has your relationship with God, is it the kind of relationship that your kids can emulate? Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. Are you close enough to God that God is working through you and your kids can, can, model, themselves, can model themselves after you? I think also, though, women, you can't take that. You can't ride your husband's coattails. If you do have, um, if you're married to someone who is pursuing God and following God, I think I tend to sometimes rest on that a little bit and think, well, you know, it doesn't matter as much about me, but that's not true at all. You can wreck your husband's example, you know, with, with your own, um, your own idolatry and things like that. So don't, don't, don't think it just lets you off the hook that the man is so important, the father is so important. It's, it, the onus is also on you because I do that sometimes. Yeah, so this is a good question I think for all of us to consider. What are your priorities in life? And what would your kids say are your priorities? That's key. Because not what you say are your priorities, but what would they say are your priorities? Is God first in your life? One of the most um, significant childhood memories I have was um, I would, you know, when I was three or four years old, I would get up like a lot of kids do at the crack of dawn. Crack. And, uh, before I go harass my mom, um, I would always go into the living room because I knew exactly where to find my dad at 5.30 every morning. I would find him um, there with his Bible open um, or I'd find him on his knees praying for, for us. And that memory etched itself in my mind so that uh, I knew, I never doubted as a kid or as a teenager that God was real because I'd seen the reality of him in my dad's life. Um, are your kids able to see those kinds of things in your lives that they are able to, to emulate? Here's a promise from the next chapter, um, Psalm 128. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house and your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. You, you see that? It's, it starts with, if you fear the Lord, 
then your kids become fruitful themselves. This is like an olive shoot around your table. That's probably not a metaphor we use a lot, but it just means in Israel, something very fruitful. And what it's doing is it's connecting your vertical relationship with God with horizontal effectiveness as a parent. It means that if I want to be more effective as a parent, then I should grow closer to God. As I work on the vertical relationship, All then, the, of these relationships. then the Lord begins to build my house through me, whether it's my marriage or my, my kids or whatever. So when we start thinking about effectiveness here, the first place we look is our vertical relationship with God. Now, yes. I, I want to make sure that's not a, an ironclad promise that if you walk closer with God, your kids will always turn out right. That's, you know, we'll get into this later, but there are certainly exceptions to that. It's just a general promise that horizontal effectiveness in anything goes back to a, a vertical uh, relationship with, with, with our Heavenly Father. I want you to take some time now. we got some questions that we're going to get into, and you guys are just going to talk about the most awesome, spectacularly unbelievable thing that you heard. So. <laughs>